0: Seven of the Canadian Prepper podcast, Canada versus American Prepping. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3EPN, for those other ham operators out there, and computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services. and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc., I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer.
1: My name is Ian. I'm co-host of the show. I live on Vancouver Island on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, target shooter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. I've had lifelong interest in preparedness and I'm gladly learning new skills on a regular basis. My professional background has allowed me to see every province and territory in canada has taught me to prepare for various unexpected situations daily doing this podcast i should also mention that this has taught me that i talk fast and i need to enunciate
0: well we've got some great content for you in this episode hopefully and we'll slow it down as well to get the content out there Uh, we're going to start off with some news articles related to preparedness and the outdoors Uh, next we'll be letting you know how we've improved our preparedness since last episode And uh, we're going to get into the main topic of the episode, uh, the differences in preparing between the U.S. and Canada. So, news. This may take a while. We've got uh, some riots in France and Europe. Uh, Not really about gas tax, is it?
1: Not at all. Uh, It's funny how the, the, the media started off saying it was all about the introduction of a fuel tax, and they offered to repeal it for six months, which is, of course... Meaning it's still coming in and they still kept on rioting. They repealed it completely. And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, they're still rioting. So it's, uh, it's very interesting to see what's progressing there.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, especially when what they said they were rioting about has been repealed and they're still rioting. That's, uh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. The, uh, interesting thing to watch is the, uh, the signs that they're holding up as well. I mean, it's everything from basically F off Macron to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to various other things. But basically it's a non confidence in the whole government at this point And, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly I don't think it's going to abate anytime soon. The interesting thing is, is that uh, it's certainly come to Canada now and it's, uh, turns out there's one in Nanaimo, which is only about 15 minutes away from my house and yet it, not a single peep about it on the mainstream media.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen uh, a few posts too uh, throughout Facebook just mentioning uh, different yellow vest gatherings all over the place. Uh, the recent one I saw was just in Alberta where they, they had one going on and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly kind of starting to catch up here too and um, maybe they'll know exactly what they're riding for, and maybe they won't.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was watching a really a uh, bit of a raunchy YouTube channel, but anyways, his name's Danger Cats, and uh, he's actually talking. He had some live footage. Normally, he's very the like, coarse humor, but he actually had a pretty serious one about the uh, the yellow vest uh, riots going on. Uh, not riots, but protests right now going in on Grand Prairie, Alberta. And there's about a couple thousand people sitting there in the crowd, and uh, I think it's about I think they said four hundred vehicles driving through town and doing doing a procession over it. Oh wow. Yeah. So it was a little bit more widespread than I guess I think there anybody's letting on at this point, which is of course interesting in itself. But uh, I guess a couple of things we should talk about this with the actual riot perspective too, eh?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, as far as the preparedness uh, perspective is, you know, if you, you know, all of a sudden find yourself in in that kind of scenario, just having sort of a plan to, to get yourself out and be prepared for, for what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the uh, old you know, simple gray man theory, you know, guys trying to not stick out from the crowd. It's it's kind of a worst case scenario for you if you are if you get caught up in something like that. I mean, worst case, of course, you could be worse, you know, trampled or whatever have you, but separated from your loved ones is a problem. A friend of mine who's actually a prepper here in Nanaimo, he got caught up in the Stanley Cup riots uh, well, probably a decade ago now, I guess. And uh, interesting because his apartment was right above it. So even trying to get
0: home, he got caught up in these riots. Oh, yeah. Don't have much of a choice. If your house is right there, then uh, you're going to be in the thick of it no matter what. Uh, another thing to think of too, even if you're you're not a part of the the rioting or you just happen to get caught up in it, there's uh, there's the chance of maybe getting caught up in some uh, incapacitating uh, gases or, or some kind of crowd dispensing activity that's being put on by law enforcement. That uh, you know you're not even there to riot, you happen to be in the area at the time. So mm-hmm. something to keep in mind as well as could be happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, no matter how I think, how much you you support something like that, I don't think it's a good idea at this point if you are trying to keep a low profile, as a as naturally most preppers I think do. Uh, that basically, if you get a criminal charge by being caught up in something like that, I mean, that's certainly. I mean, down the states, if you have a federal felony charge, it's no NICS check for you, so no firearms. And up here, if you are applying or renewing a PAL, I think if you have a criminal charge, it's either going to slow down the process or it's just not going to happen for you.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Here a uh, criminal charge most likely uh, equals no PAL, right? And at that point you're, you're done. So, and it's uh, a hefty bill too, just to go through the court system. If you're looking to fight things. Well, I
1: guess that that's where I, from a preparedness perspective, you should maybe get some uh, legal insurance from the uh, CCFR for it covers renewal, a fail, failure to renew your PAL, I guess as well.
0: Ah, uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. I think it covers all kinds of different things for you. If you, you happen to forget some paperwork, or you end up on the wrong side of things. They still they'll help represent you.
1: Yeah, too. I think as all well as, uh, as well as should I should say in the, in the Facebook crowd and everything else, if you're caught with your picture, you know, your smiling face in the middle of a ride, as well, I think that could certainly affect your job or your social standing or anything else, or even just like, the, the attitude of people towards you in general.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, let's just take a second to mention here that I've uh, I've lost the live chat uh, portion of the YouTube feed here, so uh, I had to close it off. It was um, mirroring exactly what we were saying, so it was causing a bit of an echo on my side of things. Uh, okay. The interesting thing is, you can do with that is
1: you can u- um, mute the actual YouTube video itself on the other uh, screen,
0: and that'll that'll help. Yeah, well, that's what I didn't do, and then I just closed it. So anybody sitting in there, I apologize. I won't be uh, I won't be seeing any comments. Nah, so I don't know if go. you've got it open on your end there, Ian, but.
1: No, I can open it up for sure. Um, I guess the other thing we didn't cover off there, too, is I guess if you're going to get caught up in something like that, whether it was voluntary or not, is that it certainly provides a cover when the police are busy trying to deal with rioters that, you know, other crimes could certainly occur during that time, whether it be an assault on you, uh, your loved ones, or even just as simple as a mugging. You just don't want to be caught up in that
0: crowd at all. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Law enforcement will have their hands filled with uh, dealing with the crowds and, and dispersing. Uh, all that that's going on and, and little uh, smaller things with that are going on will definitely be on the on the backlog. So it's definitely a head on a swivel type of uh, scenario where you wanna keep an eye on, on yourself and loved ones and, and have a plan and, and put it in
1: motion for, for that sort of thing. Well, I guess one thing that's finally did get covered by the mainstream media is our next uh, news article.
0: Yeah, so we've got a, a news article here from the, uh, the National Today, and it's in regards to uh, the looming of a financial crisis. Uh, so I'll just read a little excerpt from it here. Uh, the International Monetary Fund is warning that another global recession looms on the horizon, even as governments and global institutions remain willfully uh, underprepared for the next financial crisis. So I think we we're talking earlier just in the pre-show there about the fact that if mainstream media is starting to report on this, it, uh, it's probably something that we're going to see happen sooner than later.
1: Yeah, it's not just a matter of paranoia at this point. If the mainstream media is covering it, usually it's by then it's already underway. And if they're telling you they're not prepared for it, that's certainly a big red warning flag for everybody.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, mainstream media picking up, running with it. We could talk for, for years as preppers about how, oh, you know, the economic collapse is going to happen and, you know, get ready for it. And as soon as mainstream media picks it up, it's time to, to really pay attention to things.
1: Yeah, and it was even covered by CBC, which normally, uh, thanks to recent payouts from the government, I mean, they, they do nothing but pro, pro-government pro uh, articles all the time. So I'm actually surprised they covered something like that. That was actually like well-rounded journalism. It was well done.
0: shocking for CBC. <laughs> <Well, laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so on the other end of the spectrum from uh, the media, I got something from RT, Russia Television. So I mean, Ooh. I figure if you're going to watch uh, mainstream media, you should at least watch it from all ends, or at least you know, a variety of events. Uh, and usually somewhere in the middle lies the truth because they're all biased to a way or form, just like we are. Oh, exactly. And they
0: got to sell ads, right? So sell ads, you got to write your articles to the people that are going to read them.
1: Yeah. So I uh, picked one out from RT that says, uh, inflation hits over 1 million percent in Venezuela. I, uh, have, I have the link in the show notes there. And I do have to kind of giggle because at that point, they might as well just be saying it's a kajillion percent a year or a month because, I mean, at that point, how can you possibly pay for anything with cash? Uh, I do believe right now that the current, uh, stories are filtering out is that basically if you order a meal, you have to pay for it at the beginning of the meal, because by the end of the meal, the price has changed.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> and
1: then the other thing too, is the, uh, I guess they had a, actually I've got a bit of a documentary. I should put the link for that as well. And there's a documentary right now that shows if you're filling up with gas in Venezuela, even though it's basically free, the gas, uh, cause it's states, uh, subsidized so heavily. Um, if you want to pay for the gas, they won't take cash at all now. They will just take uh, barter Ooh. items. They'll take eggs. They'll take uh, knives, guns, whatever. Uh, and you can fill up a tanker truck of gas, like you know, multi-thousand-gallon tank of uh, of gas, uh, for about seventeen dollars. Oh wow! And so, of course, naturally, the capitalism prevails. The guys finally figured out that they could do that, drive it across the border to Colombia, and sell it for a profit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 17, uh, 17 bucks for that amount of gas, yeah, you can, I can see you making some money on that.
1: Yeah, so I just thought it was just a, a funny, funny thing about how, you know, at this point, they have to call it at some point, but they they, they decided to do a last-ditch effort which was called the petro-cryptocurrency and uh, they're trying to base it on their oil reserves. But I mean, who's going to have any faith in this at this point for Venezuela? I think they're pretty much done yeah. as far as economy goes.
0: all right take a take a crack at cryptocurrency. Why not? Everybody else is right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, worked for Bitcoin, didn't it?
0: Uh, well, yeah, for a certain <laughs> for a certain period of time, there. Yeah, not so great now, but yeah, a, a few years ago. So, let's right. we'll get into uh, what we've done lately. All right, so
1: uh, for myself, I went to a local store called Industrial Paint and Plastics uh, for some gamma lids and buckets. It's actually a funny little store because when I first moved to this area, um, I heard their radio ad and they actually said specifically that they were catering to preppers as well, which I was like, huh? and oh. And really? so I, really? uh, yeah. I was like, okay, let's go check it out. And they have actually an amazing assortment of everything from various empty containers with different lids to the gamma lids, obviously in the buckets, uh, used uh, you know, 500 gallon liquid storage tubs, Everything else, even like soy sauce barrels that you can like rinse out and reuse. And it's actually a very interesting place. I mean, the prices are, are fairly good and uh, the service is fantastic. So I uh, we try and go there as often as we can. And so uh, we use those buckets in the list to uh, complement the rice. We decide to grab it cost costco recently and uh yeah that was it for food um see here i had an interesting meet up with a local prepper here uh not too often that happens actually that's uh was it was great um been messaging back and forth with a guy on uh international preppers network there Mm-hmm. And uh, he was local, turns out, and we got uh, messaging back and forth. It turns out we'd actually worked together at a different company over 20 years ago. And uh, so we actually knew each other fairly well. And uh, but that's wild, small we, world. Yeah, we didn't know we uh, we were on the plan for sure with each other. And so I had him up to the farm right away because the, the trust level go you know gets amped right up when you realize that you know the guy fairly well. Yep. Um, so anyways, uh, I got him to come up and give him a little tour of the, uh, the doomstead and it was fantastic. So I'm glad he, uh, he showed up.
0: Oh, awesome. It's a, it's a small world.
1: Yeah, well, it certainly is. It's uh it's actually quite amazing. Uh, I guess a couple of things I did. I arranged with the local arborist to remove a couple of the high risk trees around the house. We uh, had one that was, well, it's BC, right? So it's probably about 120 feet high. And when we first moved in, I was kind of afraid to take it down due to my lack of skills with the forestry. And then uh, it's gotten worse and worse kind of leaning over the house. And, um, as far as a fire break goes, it's kind of standing in the way of me getting a proper fire break around the house for forest fires. So I um, I got them to show up and they uh, well, obviously took care of that as well as a couple other problem trees. So it increases my wood stockpile from next year.
0: Nice. It's uh, awesome to watch them work too, eh?
1: Oh, fantastic! actually I helped them out a little bit because I learned about yep. 20 different things as far as how to bring down higher trees. and. Um, yeah, they're great guys. Uh, I've had them over a few times and they're they're pretty much on the plan as well. They, they work for cash,
0: which is always nice. Oh, yeah. I had an arborist <laughs> by two years ago, I think it was now, take a big tree out in the front yard. And he just looked at me and said, where do you want it? I said, well, on the ground would be good. Said, well, no, where, whereabouts? And I said, well, kind of in the area where the tree is now. And he dropped it literally in a pile beside the stump of the tree. It was impressive. Just one guy. It's awesome oh, yeah. to
1: watch. Uh, mad skills. But of course, I guess if they're doing it nonstop, it helps, right?
0: Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, I'd still be trying if it was me taking it down.
1: <laughs> so, of course, why do I uh, mention that as far as a preparedness thing? It's like, I guess, peace of mind for the uh, tree not coming down in a windstorm onto the house. Um, cost savings for the heat, I guess. Uh, we'll get enough wood for that. Probably run the house, probably heat the house for, about a, well, I'd say at least a couple of weeks on just that one tree alone. Oh, that's um good and uh, the wood shavings in the food uh, you know basically the tree comes down and bounces about once on the ground and the local alpacas we have here on the acreage they come running and they uh, they start eating the pine needles which is uh huh. offsets my food cost for them well there you go yeah and uh i guess the last thing i did i was supposed to go target shooting that uh, got uh, cancelled rather abruptly when i realized that i'd uh washed my passport in the mail again <laughs> why do i mention that well it's uh it's a very very interesting thing i mean it re- it's i'm re- required to have one for work so it is kind of an important document for me um but it actually for me it was highlighting the importance of community as well because basically I needed to get pictures taken references done uh guarantors signed off I actually had to get a um a notary public to sign off that I'd actually I was me and i had actually watched it and uh, so I had to get all this done in about two or three hours before I close of business and then rush over the next morning to get it done so I get back in time because I had to go to work basically well, within 48 hours and so the importance of community is having people like that you know reliable people like that ready to go it was just it was fantastic so it uh it really came in came in handy
0: and all done within a couple hours that's impressive
1: yeah and so I was uh you know it's i guess contacts of any sort help but i mean yeah people that are willing to drop tools and help you out at the drop of a hat is is very important to have oh that's great
0: yeah uh, so for we- me uh for me i just uh, got out to the shooting range uh the first time in forever, and uh, a buddy of mine called me up and just said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, dues are due for the range. I'm, oh yeah!" So we figured we'd go out and get them paid off, and and then we uh, put about a hundred rounds each of uh, nine mil downrange, and uh mostly on target. A few, a uh, few got tossed, but uh, for the most part, we're on paper, where I wanted them to be, so that was good. And uh, I completed the podcast challenge myself, so I uh, I've got enough fuel stored now in the garage to. To fuel the truck up and uh, fuel up the skidoo if I need it, and fuel the uh, fuel up the snowblower, so we're uh, we're good to go. Actually,
1: it's very interesting. That's that perishable skill, of course. And I don't go to the range as much as I would like, for sure. Because you know other things around the farm keep me distracted as well. But definitely a perishable skill, isn't it?
0: Oh, is it ever? Yeah, getting back in. Like I haven't uh, I haven't been to the range in well, I want to say three or four months. And yeah, just getting back into the groove. It, it took uh, took a couple of magazines and. Finally got back into it, and the the holes were going where I wanted them after a couple of rounds, so that was good. hadn't uh, completely lost it yet, but uh, the first couple down were were not exactly where I wanted them. But yeah, it's it's funny how quickly you lose it. Oh, for sure.
1: The uh, what type of uh, Skidoo do you have? Is like a larger one, or just like the Yamaha Bravo types? Or uh, I've got a
0: uh, 2007 uh, Skidoo MXZ. It's an 800. Okay, that's good. So you so, a little, haul a little toboggan behind it and everything else? Good. Yeah, it's got enough enough power to, to haul a little toboggan if I need. I've got uh, a little bag set up on it. So when we're out uh, sledding, i got a little uh, little kit ready to go. Because What kind of prepper would I be if I didn't have a kit with me out in the skidoo, right? So got that <laughs> with me?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of funny because the reason I ask is, I mean, back to that embarrassing hunting episode, I uh, when I did go caribou hunting up in northern Saskatchewan back in the day, um, Actually, I had a little Yamaha Bravo, so it was about as small as you could get. And even then, I was still able to hold a, a fairly decent-sized toboggan behind it. I was actually kind of surprised.
0: Oh, nice. I, uh, I carry spare fuel of mine, too, which has come in handy uh, a couple of times. I usually uh, go out riding with a few people, and on more than one occasion, they've run out of fuel. So I've uh, been able to at least top them off and get them into uh, a town somewhere where we can fuel up again. Excellent. So I guess it's time for the main topic, isn't it? That's the main topic. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting one. The differences between the Canadian and American prepper. Do we, uh, we start off with just knocking a couple of shows or, or what do we do? <laughs> oh, I don't know where it begins sometimes. I guess... Uh, Doomsday you know, Prepper, anybody?
1: Yeah, Doomsday Preppers, <laughs> we could talk about a few other. I mean, even the Alone one. Or is it, no, what's it, Alone up in Northern Vancouver Island when they were doing that one?
0: Yeah, I watched that one, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's kind of a, a crossover show and the fact that they had uh, American Preppers up in Canada. Um, interesting, the fact is that I uh, they they guess they weren't used to the cool climate. They weren't used to a bunch of other things. So, I mean, obviously, I guess we should start right off with climate. That will be the, the biggest challenge right off the bat for as far as differences go.
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah, just the, the swing in, uh, in different temperatures that the states would have versus us. Just, you know, going from uh, Michigan to Florida, for example, you're going to be dealing with nice warm palm trees and then Michigan getting snow like we would.
1: I, everything from a, uh, say a variety of climate down there, they have variety of wildlife available, everything from, you know, poisonous snakes to muskox in Alaska and everything else. So I would say they definitely have a larger variety, but to generalize, I guess we could say that they have, you know, water and heat issues in the Southern 48. And oh, yeah. I, and I guess we could probably say as a general rule, you know, there's certain exceptions as well, but we have like, you know, extreme cold to deal with and growing season issues in a lot of Canada where, you know, we don't have a giant growing, growing season.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there's there's that. Um, the fact that um, the prepper culture is pretty well established there uh, versus here would be a, a big difference as well. It's uh, it's nothing to really be talking to anybody in the states and like being uh, like the emergency preparedness thing is just something that's almost second nature to them versus here. It's just slowly starting to kind of catch on.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Actually, I'd, uh, go back to my first point in the show notes. There, I had to kind of laugh. I was trying to. I asked you before the the show if we should how apolitical we should stay on this. So I'm going to try my best <laughs> here. And so, uh, anyways, the the difference is, I guess, between Canada and the US. If you want to go deep deep back into our history, is I guess the difference between uh, Canada and the US is you know they fought and ended up with a they fought the British Empire and ended up with a bunch of rights. I guess we came cap in hand in 1982 and and asked for stuff and we got privileges. So I guess there's there's a big difference right off the bat is rights versus privileges in each country. Yeah,
0: this is true. And so, if you want to get right into it about the the right to bear arms, I see it on the list here. We may as well hit the hot the hot topic button.
1: Yeah, everything from uh, free speech. I mean, we don't really have free speech in Canada because, I mean anything you say could technically be construed as hate speech against something or some object or whatever. Whereas down the States, I think they're uh, surprisingly a little more tolerant of it. And uh, Mm, I mean, they don't want to hear it half the time, but they have to put up with it because they do actually have a right to uh, like a proper right to free speech, a proper right to bear arms. We have to really walk on eggshells with a lot of stuff in Canada. So even I was actually talking to another friend of mine today and he's very hesitant to come on the the podcast. I don't blame him uh, because there is a stigma attached in, in Canada that is not, you know, quite President of the states. There's operational security issues here. there's all sorts of other things. So I mean, uh, definitely a right off the bat a difference in the, in the rights. Oh, absolutely. On the next point there, you want to cover that one?
0: Yeah property rights and emergency management act and uh, and your supplies. that uh, yeah, those definitely are are different compared to uh, the states for uh, for Canada.
1: Well, yeah, I guess the, pro- the number one thing with the property rights is, uh, you know, under the Emergency Management Act, they can literally come in, in case of a local local emergency or a nationwide one, they can come in and take whatever they feel they need to service the, the population, whether it be your food, your water supplies, whatever have you. In the States, it's a little more of a castle doctrine going on. So, um, of course, unlike us, we know, we have generally have more uniform laws. They have various laws depending on the state
0: yeah, and it's uh, that's the one thing I find interesting with them is just state the state. It can be completely different. Whereas in you know, Canada, the province to province changes here and there. but for the most part, we've got the the one big blanket code and it, it covers uh, covers everybody with some minor variations, but the states you can you can be completely night and day from one state to the other.
1: Well, yeah, because I think uh, back when we were doing our, our, you know, charter of rights and freedoms, uh, one thing specifically excluded was property rights in Canada, which I still think is one of our biggest gaffes, but I guess no, comp- compromise was the order of the day. There's something called a kitchen conference that they did uh, that actually came up with a notwithstanding clause, which basically negates any rights that are in the charter, if you really come down to it. So it's uh, it's a very interesting uh, perspective.
0: Yeah, you can ask um, Doug Ford about that one.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> notwithstanding clause. And yeah. the other thing I was going to say, the, uh, with the supplies itself, the variety from state to state. Um, hmm. To give you a prime example, down in, I think it's Oregon, they're not allowed to do rainwater collection.
0: I've um, heard that, yeah.
1: Period. Which is mind-blowing because you, know, you think that, well, for us, it's just like it what's falling from the sky, it's whatever. Yeah. Whereas they're, they're quite convinced in Oregon that, that that rain belongs to the state and that's just the way it is. If you don't like it, leave the state. That's, and, that's uh, crazy which is um, definitely a difference from here. I, I think people are a little more grounded when it comes to that. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't taxed it here yet, but give them they time, might try one day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if they do, we'll start talking about it on the podcast. That's right. Uh, next one. Uh, so we've got... Uh... Likelihood of running into a CCW. I don't know what you mean by CCW, so I'll just read it out. (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: Sorry. Uh, Yeah,
0: concealed carry weapon. Uh, Oh, gotcha. Okay. So basically,
1: uh, even in good times, I mean, chances are if it's just a short-term emergency, chances are there's going to be somebody around you, concealed carry, unless you're in California or Illinois, maybe New York. Um, But... In most of the states, uh good chance that somebody in the crowd is, is packing heat, uh, whereas generally in Canada, with the exception of Jane and Finch and a couple of the choice <laughs> locales, most yep. people don't. Um, so I guess...
0: And and those that do are doing it non-lawfully. Exactly. For the most part. You're, you're not going to come across very many people with a concealed carry uh, permit. You're no, very, think- very rare. I think
1: there's only about 80 in Canada that there's actually uh, have uh, authorizations to carry. I mean, other than the usual police, military, or reals, but- Yeah, brings, actual, all those guys. Yeah, so special yeah. purpose guys, like there's prospectors, a couple politicians, and that's about it. There's really not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically the likelihood of running into somebody, whether it be like a long-term emergency, short-term emergency, I think initially in the States, it's more likely you're going to run into somebody like that. In a long-term emergency, I think, well, pretty much everything goes out the window and maybe it might be the same in both countries.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a big difference for, for Canada versus the States is, like you said, pretty much anybody in the States could be packing from, uh, you know, anybody right up to your grandmother could be walking around with uh, with something in their purse and, or something on their hip and you might know, you might not. and. It's really well, not. Uh, it's not something that you really think of in Canada. Like I didn't even know what you meant by CCW. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: and even some states have the open carry. I mean, constitutional yeah. carry. So I mean, you're going to run yeah. into that. You're going to run into people with truck guns, whether it be the hanging in the gun rack in the back window or just hidden in the, in the back seat of the car or whatever have you um, here. I think if, if you do get pulled over, it's usually a bit of explaining to do unless you're on the way to the range or whatever have you, I mean, it's not illegal yeah. in Canada, no. but it's usually generally there has to be kind of a valid reason for a truck gun per se. Um, as long as you can talk out of that, that's fine. But in the States, it's just normal. It's expected. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just a common thing. And yeah, it's, it's like a social norm type of thing. Whereas here, you know, like you and I will go over the range and not think of anything about having a, a firearm in the car with us, but yeah, you tell a couple of people that uh, that you know that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to the range and bringing my gun with me. Like, what? You're taking it out of the house? Oh my god! Yeah. Just it's such a, can, a different thing. You can do that. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you mean? It, it leaves the house? Well, yeah. I gotta use it out of range, so it's gotta leave the house. Yeah.
1: So this one's a little touchy. The next one, I'll, I guess, I'll handle yeah. it off the bat. Um, sure. Uh, you know, there is the stereotype, and there is actual statistical proof behind it. But I would say there is a, an education level difference between Canada and states. Not just of geography, which is always a, a running joke on a lot of TV shows, but also just uh, world events. I think um, in the States, it's not a matter of being you know, stupid or anything else. I think it, there's tend to be a little more insular and more, uh, I guess, isolationist. Uh, they always have been uh, versus yeah. us. We seem to have a little more uh, broad perspective as far as what's going on around the world. Down in the States, if you ask most people about Canada, they really don't have a whole lot of idea oh. of what's going on up here.
0: I like watching some of those YouTube videos where they go down and ask the the Americans different things about Canada. And Boy, they totally can... make facts up and then uh, get them to, oh yeah that's great. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on
1: the giant snow house in Ottawa and everything yeah. else. It's just, you know yeah talking to Americans was a funny one. But uh and I'm not and I'm not knocking Americans. It's just no, the I problem know. the problem is is that it's just a cultural thing. That I think they just looked a little more inward than, you know, we tend to look outward as more of a multicultural society. I, I, get,
0: yeah, I don't, that don't know could, how uh, that think. could be it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, they're not much cultural either. I just I'm trying to figure out there is a difference though, for sure. I know. Yeah, absolutely. There is. Yeah. Uh, material costs for prepping. So I guess, uh, oh yeah, you heard that. Eh?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I can hear the pooch barking there in the back. i <laughs> <laughs> uh, to see if I can bribe him. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, the, the material costs for sure. That's, uh, that's something that, um, it's a little bit different. Uh, ammunition would be something that, uh, you'll see a definite, uh, price change on between, uh, the U S and Canada. Uh, I was just saying in there that, uh, the, the price difference between ammunition in, uh, in Canada versus the U S is something that you would notice right off the bat. And even the availability uh, of ammunition in uh, the U S versus Canada is something that, uh, that's different. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, nothing frustrates me more than going onto amazon.com .ca and seeing the difference in price. Um, and I'm actually, one thing my wife told me to mention on the podcast here is even the availability of certain things, like uh, whether it be books or whatever have you. I mean, back in the old days, they used to burn books they didn't agree with. And now, in, in seems in the tech age, they just make sure they're not available in certain countries. Yep. Um, and I don't think my wife's subject choice is way out there or anything else. It's just that if it doesn't agree with the current mantra in, in society or the current way the government wants to run things. It's very interesting. The fact that it's just, it's just not available anymore, and, uh, but yet yeah, they'll deliver from amazon.com to from the state's up. So <laughs> it's very interesting that way.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, the other thing I was going to mention the, uh, like you mentioned the material costs, again, I talked about Costco a couple of weeks ago there. Um, it's shocking sometimes how much that de minimis law, the, when it comes to customs and NAFTA, how
0: much of a difference oh, yeah. that can make. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh yeah, just going into a Costco in the States versus Costco in Canada, and even with the conversion, looking at some of the items, it's, uh, it's a huge difference.
1: Well, the good news is they did change that a little bit with the NAFTA agreement, the, the new, geez, what do they call that new one? Anyway, <laughs> The new de minimis law, it's, uh, yeah. it allows up to $200 duty-free, so I think the, the cost change. Oh, that's changed right. that did change, yeah. Yeah, so it went from 20 to 200 so it's still dated, and it's still not enough, but at least it should no, help with small it's items. It's better than what it was, so we'll take it. Yeah. Oh, trespass laws.
0: Oh, ah, yeah. uh, yes. Those, uh, yeah, those are completely different in Canada versus the States. Uh, the whole castle law versus citizen self-defense and protection of property act.
1: Yeah. So we didn't even oh, really yeah. have much of a castle law until the conservatives came along, came up with that long winded act. Yeah. But, um, Interesting down the States, you know, it can vary again from state to state, but you might see something as as simple as just a two door rule. If the person goes through two doors, you can do whatever you want with them to, you know, obviously have to give them a warning, whatever have you in Canada. It's a very long winded convoluted thing where, you know, yes, you can protect yourself if a equals B equals C. And if you don't go through every motion required by the act you're in you're in a bit of trouble yep.
0: and the moon has to align with the sun and all kinds of things have to happen and you're still gonna end up in court no matter what yeah so <laughs> what they like punishment by process i do believe they call yeah, that right i believe that's the way they would put it yes yes
1: so uh yeah i guess we talked about the social stigma too didn't
0: we before uh, yeah we kind of touched on the social stigma there just the fact that uh you know in, in canada it's still not really a mainstream thing Versus uh, in the states, it's uh, it's pretty normal to to have a prepper just say right out, yeah, that's what I do, and and they all kind of it's like a social norm thing. Versus here, it's still just kind of catching on.
1: Yeah, uh, so we touched on climate as well, but uh, one thing I just wanted to mention is uh, to add to that climate differences, um, the solar efficiency. So I mean, you're down in a place like yeah. Neva- Nevada. I mean, not only is the latitude better, so you're going to get more efficiency per square meter, in, in in a place like that, you're probably gonna have a little drier climate in the entire southwest of the state, so you're gonna get a lot more uh, solar efficiency. Uh, The minimized uh, seasonal changes, so I mean, in California, the difference between summer and winter is, you know, maybe 10, 15 degrees. Here in Canada, you know, you go to a place like Winnipeg, it can be plus 30 or it can be minus 40, you know, like it's, it's, they've seen both, so.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Brings up another thing is as far as food storage uh, for the climates. You know, in Canada, you're, you're dealing with that big swing, so you could do all of a sudden from you said, nice, uh, nice temperatures to store food to, to minus 40, where it could potentially be destroying your, your food stock. And so you have yeah. to bring some stuff in, you have to maybe shuffle stuff around depending on the season.
1: Well, I think I'd rather take our climate over theirs for food storage, simply the fact is that, you know, generally a lot of parts of Canada are dry and, geez, I'm have to let him go again. Uh, most of the, you know, parts of Canada, it's like usually dry, cooler, whereas in the States, they got to deal with rot issues for sure.
0: Uh, sorry, I don't know if you're picking the vacuum up there in the background
1: no it seems we both have noise distractions okay. going on right now so
0: <laughs> oh we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll fight
1: through it yeah so, so
0: uh what else we got here on the list so food storage uh what else we have here well, a politeness it, level yes it's,
1: it's very <laughs> very stereotypical for sure uh, so yeah. i mean we can talk about being, you know, how do you, how do you get a Canadian to say, I'm sorry. It's you step on his toes. Right. Yep. And uh, so, so there is that, that's the running joke, but I mean, down the States, the cultural difference. Again, you know, you, somebody says, uh, you say, thank you to somebody in the States. They say, no problem. Or, yep. yep. Uh, whereas, you know, up here it's say, you're welcome. And, you yep. know, it, it can be a bit of a cultural clash if you're not used to it or whatever. Have you? Oh, absolutely. And, uh,
0: and of course, uh, Canadians are always made fun of for just profusely apologizing for anything and everything. Right. Oh, so sorry about that. But anyway,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's just the perceived myself, but also internationally, I guess, you know, a lot more people do speak multiple languages in Canada. Yeah. you have also got more of a unilingual culture in, in the States.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, as well, uh, as far as open spaces go, population density, lower, way lower in Canada. Um, so, you know, once you're out of the major cities, the chance of, uh, you know, coming in some solitude is, is pretty, pretty high. Uh, in the bigger cities, obviously not so much, but uh, that's something that's different uh, in Canada versus the States.
1: Well, I think we're uh, on the order of about 14 people per square kilometer and down the States, it's almost 10 times that. Yep. And because, uh, you know, it's pretty similar uh, square mileage when you count in Alaska, but the, uh, the population is literally 10 times higher. Um, we've got... You know chances for solitude as well like you mentioned uh, you know chances you won't run into somebody in a lot of places but usually worse climate and worse uh terrain to cover like the muskeg i mean i don't know if you've ever been up to that stuff at all but it's oh, uh, i haven't been it's uh it's like walking through thick mud all the time and same thing you know a good maybe quarter of canada is above the tree line so no trees whatsoever and yep. i i don't think they're seeing that in the states unless you're in a desert
0: Not true yeah uh, what else we got uh
1: well, the the guy that came up and visited me here, uh, Vic, Vic Prepper 11, uh, he uh, mentioned one that actually I thought we should include as well. Um, he just sure. says, you know, the difference in the States between firearms laws. So not even so much a Canadian versus American thing, uh, except for like, you know, in the States, it can vary hugely um, between everything from concealed carry to what guns you're allowed to own and everything else. Um, here in Canada, it's a federally regulated thing. So literally, I mean, with the exception of the odd holdout, like Quebec's registry and stuff, it is uniform across the board.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, what else we got? Uh, bail and legalization in Canada.
1: Oh, bail and legislation.
0: Oh, legislation. Sorry, yeah, legislation. I can't read tonight.
1: Yeah, no <laughs> worries. So uh, back in 2013, the uh, Conservatives. Yeah, I'll pick on every. I'll pick on every political party just to make sure I. I
0: just oh, you... We'll even we'll it all out. Yeah, so... opportunity podcast.
1: That's right. So um, yeah, bailing legislation was brought in in twenty thirteen by the conservatives, and basically what it said is, if the, any systemically important bank runs into trouble, we'll just take your money to pay them off. And so, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. And of course, they did it in Europe and a few other places. Cyprus was a notable uh, place where they've actually activated it. And um, whereas in the states, no, no such thing. Um, there are differences, uh, in various things from bank laws to whatever have you, but yeah, they certainly haven't come across with a bail in legislation in case the shit hits the fan economically. Yep.
0: Uh, so, we've got uh, your response here to uh, Traveling Prepper, the email question from uh, the last show there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. One more thing I just wanted to cover. I uh, because I, oh, sure. I, I, did an acronym and I didn't want to I wasn't sure if you knew what it was. Uh, yep. mar- marijuana usage. We could talk about uh, that. Yep. So, sure. uh, this, this can come in, I'm not saying I use it, I certainly don't, uh, but uh, you know what? Everything from growing as a barter item to growing as a pain reliever, or whatever have you, for those people that are interested in using it, uh, yep. definitely hey, still… It's legal now. Yeah, I mean, it's p- some people in the states that live in certain states, like I think Colorado, Washington state and everything else, state-wise, it's legal, but it's still a federal crime in the federal. states. Yeah. So believe it or not, if you have a marijuana card in a place like Washington state, you cannot get firearms because you've committed a felony.
0: (laughs) Whereas, A little bit different how it works.
1: Yeah. Whereas in Canada, you know, it's legalized and uh, it doesn't seem to affect your ability to own firearms or anything else. uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. a less of a big deal. I guess more of a conservative mindset in the States from that perspective, as far as um, recreational drug use. I mean, I think I'm not accepting of it, but a lot of people are. Uh, so, hey, you know what? Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's more, I won't say legalized because they didn't legalize it. They decriminalized, uh, or sorry, they, um, they regulated it. They didn't yes. decriminalize it.
0: No, so, so it's the, still a criminal offense according to the uh, federal side of things, but the uh, the local side says it's okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, an interesting system, but yeah, it uh, is what it is. Yeah, so uh,
1: response to traveling pepper you mentioned there. So, uh, traveling yeah. pepper sent us an email last week and he wanted me to talk about my travel friendly EDC. So, I got messaging him back and forth, and I actually, I, I I basically got called out. So I took a bunch of pictures after I emptied out my bag and I actually showed him everything I had with me. And uh, so outside of the usual clothes and toiletries, I uh, basically showed him exactly what I had in my bag. And he gave me a couple of suggestions, which was good. Yeah. And um, so I dumped out of my carry of bag and it might be a long winded thing, but bear with me for a sec here. Go for it. All right. So uh, as far as the bag itself goes, I have a uh, 511 brand Rush 24. Um, it's kind of the medium size bag, uh, that, you know, that Five Eleven products put out. I'm, I have to admit probably over the course of the next five podcasts, I'll probably be talking about lifetime warranties with various things. I'm a sucker <laughs> yeah. for them. And, uh, you know, the problem is I think I, overall it was probably a bad idea to pick that backpack to bring with me, uh, for work as a general rule. Cause I, I basically don't check a bag either when I, whenever I travel, um, as far as the gray man theory goes, it's. An idiotic move, uh, because as much as cool as my Ragnarok tactical uh, badges on it, that I try and pass off as a Norse compass and everything else, and people don't understand <laughs> what it what it means. But um, it, it basically makes you stand out from the crowd. And so what I should have probably done was get a, a Swiss Gear backpack from Costco. Uh, so instead of 150 bucks, it would have been 30 bucks, and I probably just replaced every couple of years if I really it got worn out.
0: Yeah, and then you're uh, mixing in with the crowd as well, right?
1: Yeah. And the problem is I sold my five eleven bag. I use it every, you know, at least 15 days a month. And, uh, so it started to wear out. I talked, contacted them for their lifetime warranty. It turns out excessive wear does not get covered. So uh, their lifetime warranty is not that good. So, um, <laughs> but the bag itself is great. So anyways, that's what it's all sitting in. So as far as items inside my, uh, my, you know, everyday travel friendly EDC. Um, I have, just have a baseball cap, which you know, we use for sheltering from the sun or whatever have you. But I also put a, a visor mounted flashlight courtesy of the dollar store, which uses the uh, CR2032 batteries. So yeah. I can basically put a flashlight up there, use hands free. Um, you're going to see a few things, a uh, bit of a theme going on here. So, uh, dollar store extend- expandable mini towels. Which can be used for everything from toilet paper to wiping your hands to whatever have you, uh wiping the sweat off your brow, even, you know, if need be. Um, a bunch of free stuff that I pride myself on finding as best I can. Uh there's a preparedness, uh, emergency preparedness stand at the local fair here last summer. And they were actually giving away everything from space blankets to whistles to whatever have you. So giving uh, away. yeah. So I grabbed a oh. fox fox whistle for everybody in the house and uh, so I put that in there. Um, there's actually a bike trail map for the city of Vancouver which is kind of my home base of operations as well and it shows you all the the trails that basically cars can't go on but people on foot and on bike can so uh it actually lists out ah, the actual yeah. bike trail map so that was a uh, kind of a neat thing it was free as well available that's with, uh, great so- that's
0: something that people wouldn't generally think of everybody focuses on just using a, a vehicle to get out of the spot that they're in but uh, bike trails and pedestrian trails is a good idea
1: and not that i would advocate it but i'm just saying worst case scenario if you had to take a motorbike down one of those trails hey it's hey, it's, it's a bike trail yeah. it's an option um earplugs for free as well uh get them work for free but it just you know never hurts to have a couple handy for various loud noises um actually believe it or not facebook at uh i'm not a big fan of facebook but hey i was at a, a computer seminar the other day and they were giving away this like a uh, screwdriver that had a bunch of bits in it that fit into the handle and it had a flashlight on the end of it and actually it's kind of a hidden multi-tool that uh, nobody seems to notice on airport security which is interesting oh, so i got a, few, a few screwdrivers with me uh then they're, they're very tiny i mean hard to find anyway uh i got a sewing kit courtesy of the hotel uh as, oh, well, yeah. as, as well as a bar of soap two big lighters and i use a zip tie to uh, wrap around the uh, the gas pedal so it doesn't let off all the gas while it's sitting in the suitcase
0: smart
1: uh, quality sunglasses, uh, whether you want your Ray-Bans or whatever have you, just make sure you get quality ones, not dollar store ones. Uh, my first aid kit. I know I'm going to catch hell from Andrew on this one, but uh, it's missing a few things, but I've got the standard ouch pouch, everything from band-aids to everyday use to... Uh, Things that come in travel uh, handy when you're traveling, like emodium uh, eye and ear drops, like a, a Polysporin that works for both. Because uh, if you get an earache and you got to go traveling, you don't want to have that happen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, moleskin for uh, long distance walking, hiking, whatever. I try and go do a big hike every day while I'm on layover. And then uh, nail files, uh, multiple uses there as well. Uh, tylenol just for uh, obviously fever, whatever have you. Uh, benzyl calcium chloride. I do believe BZK wipes. Anyways, they're good for disinfecting, cleaning, whatever have you. Uh, inside my first aid kit, I've also got rubber gloves, T- standard stuff like triangle bandage, cough medicine, uh, just, you know, like pills just to help out. Uh, pressure dressing, large gauze, uh, medical tape, blister band-aids, just to cover up a blister, Aqua tabs for water disinfection. And uh, it's going to sound funny, but a feminine napkin, uh, just because I didn't yeah. have a, a Israeli bandage or anything else. I just threw that in there. Oh, there uh, you go. A couple other uh, neat things i found uh, along my travels here is a lucky duct mini duct tape roll so it's actually really flat but it holds a bunch of duct tape um oh, neat. yeah some compass cards which are like the local subway system so you just get a couple prepaid compass cards so you don't have to worry about cash then uh tenacious tape have you ever heard of this stuff
0: i have not i was gonna ask
1: uh, so what it is, it's available on Amazon and a few other stores, and basically you use it to repair backpacks. And this stuff sticks to everything and does not come off. So uh, if you have to like put fix a hole in a backpack or whatever have you, that's the stuff to have. So I use it actually along the bottom of that backpack where it wore out and they wouldn't wouldn't repair it, and it's worked out well. It's it's not cheap, but it works great.
0: Oh, awesome.
1: Uh, I've also got a flashlight and I make sure that it uses uh, whenever I put a flashlight in my bag, it has to use either a AAA or a AA because obviously it can be found everywhere. Yeah, readily so, available. Yeah, readily available batteries. Uh, so I have a flashlight and three spare batteries. Uh, usually it's one to go in it because I don't leave a battery in the flashlight. Uh, so I usually have three handy. Uh, 550 cord, a bracelet, and my what I call my justification book because if you're going to have 550 cord in a bag, they probably generally are going to ask you about it. But if you have a book saying you want to learn how to... to Really, so if you want to have a a book uh, explaining why you want to use 550 core to uh, knit stuff, that's always something handy to have. Oh, there you go. Uh, zip ties, uh, which of course have multiple uses. A uh, real watch, meaning like actual, uh, not an iPhone, but an actual real wrist-mounted watch that's battery-powered, uh, because you know iPhones do wear, you know, the battery dies pretty quick, whereas you know a watch will last for months. Oh, absolutely. Uh, currency. Uh, I think a couple other people have mentioned it as well, but I, I, carry lots of currency, like hard cash, but interestingly enough, I had a, a five hour power outage when I was in the East coast, uh, about a month ago. And even with cash, I, uh, they wouldn't take it because a lot of the systems will not work without power. So a lot of the, the minimum wage employees just didn't know how to deal with cash on a power out sis, uh, basis, I guess.
0: Oh, that's interesting. You would think that, uh, cash would be no problem, but I guess all the computers are out. You can't, uh, scan the barcode. If you can't scan the barcode, you can't, uh, Put the product in the in the computer if you can't put the product in the computer it can't do the math for you so i can't give you change
1: well basic math is a problem too <laughs> of course uh interestingly enough a couple of workarounds for the uh, up until the recently when they had the the knife ban for canada is i had a touch knife do you remember those olfa touch knives that they used to you you'd like stick out the blade about you know half inch and a little blade would pop out uh oh yeah yeah okay so i used to have one of those but then i I came across a ceramic touch knife and so it costs about 11 bucks but it it is actually like dull to the fingers but it cuts through everything so it's actually a very interesting thing to have so a a ceramic touch knife uh some sporks from mora like the same Uh, people that make make the knives
0: the wonderful uh, sporks
1: yeah a bottle and can opener uh lots of snacks so nuts the kind bars epic bars susie's good fats kirkland protein bars and then uh yeah i also put a um, a plastic tube in there which you could pass off as a straw i suppose oh, but uh but basically you can be used as anything from a drinking straw to a blunt weapon to a loaded fist to whatever have you not that i would recommend that in normal times but i'm just saying it's the option
0: now yeah you've, you've got it yeah if you yeah. need it it's there
1: yeah. Uh, the other thing, if you're not going to the U.S., currently the uh, the law in Canada is you are allowed to carry on to a airplane, a knife with less than 2.36 inch or six centimeter blade. So if you want to do that, you certainly can.
0: Well, there you go. Not a bad idea to have uh, something small versus nothing at all.
1: Yep. And so uh, the other thing is... Uh, traveling prepper told me that uh, a couple of things I should have added and I kind of actually had a discussion with it. He said a mylar blanket would be a good idea. And I was like, well, I have hotel blankets. He's like, yeah, but you know, it gives you that extra layer. And if it does get really cold out and power goes out for a while, you know, that's a little extra one with reflecting your heat probably wouldn't be a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And they're small and and easy to pack into.
1: Yeah. And then the other interesting thing was he showed me is uh, the N95 masks. He's got a fold flat version and the brand name is called the Aura 1870. Have you ever seen those before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And um, serious, it's uh, interesting the fact that mostly when you put an N95 mask in the actual suitcase, it well a day later it's bent to crap and it doesn't work. Yeah. But uh, these ones you could put fold flat and they'd probably work.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the ones that I uh, that I've got, in my kit are fold flat as well, so they're uh, they're handy for that because they still get a little bit bent if you've got some heavy stuff sitting on them, but they're they're still usable if you got to pull them out.
1: Yeah, so I guess number one rule, if the shit hits the van, does happen, and you're in a hotel room, don't forget to rate it before you leave, so make sure you grab your face cloths, blankets, coffee filters for water yep. purification, whatever have you, so always before you give up any uh, any position, make sure you rate it for what you need.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and anytime you're at a hotel, take them up on the free items they're going to give you, throw them in your kit.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure I'm missing stuff, but that's basically all, everything I could kind of pick out as a, as a preparedness item out of my suitcase,
0: so. Yeah, so Just to throw out there uh, for anybody listening, if you want to uh, send in some items that, uh, that you have in your kits or, or some suggestions for additions to uh, to the kit uh, list here that Ian's read out, uh, flip an email into uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And that's uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Let us know what uh, what's in your kit, uh, what you'd add, maybe what you'd subtract, what you like, what you don't like. We'll take all kinds of feedback. It doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. We uh, we'd like to hear it all. But we'll get into the, uh, the podcast challenge. Yeah, so I mean, last week I kind of had the guys go out and
1: spend a bunch of money, so I don't think it's fair to make them do it two weeks in a row. So I guess <laughs> this, one, this one's more of a mental exercise. So I actually took some inspiration from, I do believe it was Canadian Gun Nuts, They were actually talking about this. So if you had uh, two, two days, even two hours notice till shit hit the fan, what would you go out and buy? So I guess our little podcast challenge is to come up with a list of something that you're critically short of. So whether it be, uh, you know, gear, tactical or practical, beans, band-aids, bullets, whatever have you. Um, I guess you can score yourself some brownie points if you want to start recording the cheapest price available for each item and then wait for sales. But, you know, just think about what you're really critically short of as far as a uh, a beginner's inventory, if that sounds good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So start, uh, start the lists up. And uh, send it into feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And then we'll discuss uh, everybody's lists on the next episode as far as what they've put together. If you find some good deals where you're doing this, let us know and we'll uh, we'll put it out there as well in the show notes. So everybody else can take advantage of the deals as well. Cool. Uh, so uh, like we got some feedback there, I guess. Got some feedback. Yeah, so I'll read off uh, an email here that uh, we've received from Andrew, who is uh, the host of the Canadian Patriot podcast so it it reads here good evening eric and ian Uh, andrew from canadian patriot podcast here i travel a fair bit for work especially in 2018 i still tend to have most of my edc with me when i'm on the road Uh, day to day i work in information technology and it's not uncommon for me to have to travel with tools when i do get to check a bag with screwdrivers and other things i can't carry on that'll include a less expensive pocket knife usually a small gerber Uh, the rest of the time i'm knifeless Uh, My regular travel is U.S. and Canada, with the majority now being Canada only. I have a bag that I always have for work that includes the majority of my EDC gear. Uh, The bag uh, contents stay the same from day to day and don't change much when I'm traveling. Uh, The prepper-specific stuff follows. Uh, The stuff I know uh, that my coworkers generally do not carry, I also carry several hundred dollars in cash. More when I travel than when I'm at home. Uh, so he uh, he carries uh, the 511 Rush 12 backpack, uh, HSGI uh, multi-mission medical taco. Uh, so he's got a cat tourniquet, uh, quick clot, combat gauze, six-inch Israeli bandage. Uh, he's got an airway and lube, uh, a fox seal, uh, decompression needle and she, uh, shears, uh, Sharpie, which a lot of people overlook, which would be really handy, especially for your tourniquet if you got to jot a date and time down on it uh and a pet set of uh gloves uh, i carry is a phoenix ld22 flashlight spare aa batteries uh a 2500 milliamp hour uh solar power bank uh what else we got here a belkin 3 outlets surge plus mini travel swivel charger surge protector with the dual usb ports uh a one liter nalgene uh it keeps it empty for crossing security at the airports and fills it up afterwards Uh, 2,000 calories of food, trail mix, beef jerky, uh, licorice, snack sizes or small bags, uh, toiletries, paper notebook, and assorted pens. Uh, I'm usually somewhere for a week or more, so I'll buy food uh, to eat and restock what I keep in my bag. I'll also pick up a few bottles of water to keep in the hotel room and uh, keep my water bottle full to keep, uh, keep it with me. If it's just a day trip, I don't bother with the extra food or water. Uh, I also keep uh, printed copies of my paperwork in my notebook, uh, hotel, car, airline. It's worth mentioning that I do a virtual uh, recce of any site that I've not been to before using Google Maps and Street View. By the time I travel, I already have planned a primary alternate route from the airport to the hotel, the hotel to work locations. Uh, I find nearby restaurants, grocery stores and hospitals. I print Google Maps with routes to points of interest. Uh, All this is uh, back up to my phone. Uh, Regarding hotel rooms, I request a second and third floor rooms away from the elevators. This is high enough to discourage casual break-in enters from outside access and low enough to easily escape in the event of a fire or other emergency. I also walk the ground floor of the hotel prior to check-in to assess any unusual activity, open doors, loiterers, etc. After check-in, I make sure the room is all set uh, and then walk to the parking lot using two different routes, whether I need that many trips to the car or not. Uh, The point is to become familiar with the route and identify any obstacles or anything unusual. This probably sounds extreme to the casual uh, outsider, uh, but nothing I travel with has caused problems with the airport security, TSA or CBSA. Uh, Trip planning usually saves me time as I already know where to eat, So I don't spend time trying to find a place when I'm on site. The extra work in the hotel only takes a few minutes longer. And that's uh, signed off Andrew from uh, the Canadian Patriot podcast.
1: Awesome idea with the uh, exits and scouting out the ground floor and even getting the lower floor hotel rooms. Uh, Definitely a solid
0: point there. Oh, absolutely. I was, uh, I was saying just before we, uh, we started the show and we were chatting there that I travel quite significantly for work and I'm in hotels all the time. And, uh, there's a few points here that I didn't, uh, I didn't consider the, the second or third floor for sure is, uh, is something I'm going to be starting to request when I'm checking in the hotels and even just walking the, uh, the hotel, uh, and, and figuring out a, a second exit or a second route to get out is a, is a great idea. And, uh, yeah, whether or not you got to bring more stuff in from the car or not, just walking it to see different uh, different routes and and just know what's available to you as far as getting out if your your primary uh, exit is blocked or, or somehow restricted.
1: Absolutely solid point, and even check out the sketchy characters and get to the second floor to avoid the uh, the break in. I mean, yeah, all solid points. I mean, from an operational yeah. perspective, he's on fire with <laughs> this email for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. The great points to to consider, great things to think of. Uh, I like the uh, the breakout of the the list of stuff he's got in his kit. And I, I apologize if I pronounce some of it wrong, because I probably did and I'll probably hear about it, but that's okay. Well, that'll happen next episode, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Cause we got him on next episode for first aid.
1: I guess it takes us down to shout outs. It does.
0: So, uh, oh, wait a minute. Did we skip the iTunes review? Oh, you know what we did actually? We've got it. Uh, we got it down on episode closing. So we'll do oh. shout outs and then we'll get into in the closing. And we'll do the iTunes review.
1: Yeah, sounds good. So I got a couple shout-outs for myself, uh, Vic Prepper 11 like I mentioned, he came up for the face to face and uh, with a little tour of the uh, the homestead here and fantastic guy. Uh, pleasure to see him again. And I uh, just wanted to say hi. Also the traveling prepper. Uh, he always keeps me on my toes with good challenges and questions for sure.
0: Awesome. So we'll get into some uh, iTunes reviews. We've got uh, actually some people have been rating the show, so it's much appreciated. We're up to uh, four five-star reviews. We've got one four-star review, and we have a new written review. Uh, this one is from Tim TJ. It was put in uh, December 11th, 2018. And it reads, uh, guys, good start to a podcast. and love the Canadian perspective and experience for novice preppers. I'm enjoying the show. Any discussions planned for off-grid living? It's a good point. I think we'll uh, we'll have to do a show based on off-grid living uh yeah that's certainly a, an episode unto itself <laughs> absolutely it is we I, we can talk for at least an hour if not longer on that topic i'm sure that's uh, so what else do we have uh so for listener email and review that was the email there from uh from andrew from the uh, canadian prepper podcast that we read off and uh yeah he wasn't uh, really sending in any questions as far as uh, that goes he's more making some statements
1: yeah, so other than that, I guess, uh, yeah, well, it was nice to see the iTunes reviews for sure.
0: Yeah, it's nice uh, to see that those are starting to pick up and uh, people are coming in and starting to rate because that helps us huge as far as getting new listeners, getting uh, the podcast out there. Uh, the more reviews we can get, the better. So uh, if you haven't thrown a review in yet, please uh, please do check it out on uh, on iTunes, throw a, throw a rating in there, uh, leave a written review. That helps out even more because uh, that way people looking for the podcast and seeing what it's all about can actually see what you think about it. Put in what you think about it, good, bad, whatever you want to put in. Just We ask that it be an honest review. Uh, and then uh, as well, any other uh, application that you're using to listen to the podcast on, if you can throw a review in there, that would be greatly appreciated. Well, I guess that's about it tonight. I think so. Uh, with that, uh, I'll bring episode number seven of the uh, Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, Ian, where can people find you?
1: Well, uh, you can find me at theislandretreat at gmail.com and as mentioned uh, on YouTube at the Island Retreat channel for sure. That's where uh, we are now. Yeah, as far as the show goes, you can find the, uh, the podcast itself on uh, iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify. Uh, please help us out take a few minutes submit a review. It really helps people find the podcast. Uh, you can find us at prepperpodcast.ca and our YouTube live shows to help us create the podcast are now available. Just please uh, click the notifications tab on the Island Retreat and it gives you alerts when we're going to go live.
0: All right. And for myself, you can check me out at, uh, rapid Uh, you can get me there on the, uh, the live chat, which actually is currently not working. So don't get me on the live chat. I got to figure out some bugs with it. Uh, but you can flip me an email at uh, feedback and prepperpodcast.ca And, uh, no, thanks for joining us and tune in next episode where we're going to talk about uh, some basic and advanced first day training. Uh, we're going to have Andrew from uh, the Canadian pa- uh, Patriot podcast on and, uh, He's going to talk to us about uh, all kinds of different first aid uh, training and availability and kit and gear. And it's going to be a great show. So until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.